Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast once again. Uh, we are currently in part four of a series entitled Core. And so what we're doing is we're just walking through the core values that Faith Chapel, which is the, the church that we're a part of, has. So we have six core values and we're going to be on our fourth core value. And then next week we'll have a guest speaker walk through uh, our fifth and sixth core values. But this week we are talking about this, this core value that we have here at Faith Chapel. And it is this, is that God is generous so we are too. God is generous, so we are too. And generosity is typically associated with money, uh, but I think it's really important that we understand that this core value isn't just about finances. So we're going to walk through what we can be generous with, uh, but but because of the fact that most of us think about finances and it's inevitably a part of our lives and it's a part of the church world and it's a part of our faith, we're going to jump in right there. So the first point is this, is that we need to be generous with our money. Uh, this isn't really a topic that I personally personally love talking about, uh, mostly because I'm super stingy with my money. And uh, it's not something that, that I love to talk about is my personal finances. But, but I've been convicted time and time again over the 30 years of my life that it needs to be something that I'm willing to let go of. It needs to be something that I'm willing to use and understand that it is a resource, not only for my own life, but it is a resource that is to be used for the kingdom. And and I know that for a lot of us, this idea of money, especially the idea of money in the church, kind of makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, whether you've come from a bad experience at a church that didn't use uh, money well, or you just get uneasy with the fact that the church asks for money, or maybe one time you got uh, conned into sending money to some uh, pastor on TV. I don't, I don't know what your personal situation is, uh, but it can make a lot of us feel really uncomfortable. Uh, but a college age movement, we want to be a place that talks about the uncomfortable. We want to talk about issues. We want to talk about things that make us feel a little bit uneasy because we weren't called to live these clean, neat, comfortable lives. We are called to kind of get in the mess. And uh, this is a messy thing. So we're going to talk about this and we could talk about money for uh, weeks and weeks, if not months. But but we're going to talk about this First, so the, the idea of tithing is something that many of us are familiar with, this idea of giving 10% of everything that we earn to the Lord. And uh, it, it's another one of those things where, like, why? I don't understand. And, and if you're ever interested in that, I would love to have a more in-depth conversation about what we at Faith Chapel do with tithe money. Um, and uh, the, it, it can be something that, that we have a long conversation about. But I just want to talk about this concept really, really quick. And that is this, is that... The tithing might be something that, that a lot of us have this perception that like it just became a thing when the ch- first church mortgage came. They're like, oh, crap, Like we have to pay for a building, so how are we possibly going to do that? I know. Let's ask people to give us uh, 10% of their money so that we can make our mortgage payment. But that is absolutely not even close to the case. In fact, tithing has been around since the beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 14, it says this. It says, and he blessed Abram, saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. You see, tithing isn't about obligation. It's about recognition of what God has done and what God is still going to do. And from the beginning of time, Genesis chapter 14, like this is one of the, the earliest human beings that, that has had interaction with God and, and they made this decision to give a tenth of everything because it was a form of worship. And 
I think that we too often look at this like this, this, this thing that's required of us. But it's not just that. It, it is a form of worship. It's recognizing who God is and what he's doing and that you want him to continue doing it. He doesn't need your money. He, he operates outside of the fiscal world. But it's still this thing. And it wasn't just about finances. Abram gave a tenth of his flock. He gave a tenth of his crops. It was a recognition that I'm going to give this away in faith that God will continue to provide for me, that God will continue to protect me. And and so that's something that we have to understand. This isn't something new. This is something that's been happening for a really, really long time, but it's also something that has been a really big struggle for people for a really long time. In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22, there's a story that that we've deemed, excuse me, the rich young ruler. And it it goes like this, chapter 10 of Mark, uh, verses 17 through 22, it says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony and you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the young man replies, teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he, because he had great wealth. See, from, from the very beginning of time and into thousands of years ago, this has been a common theme where where we do everything, everything seems to come easy for us. And then when it comes to money, we find ourselves hitting this wall of obedience because it's something that, that we take so much value in. We see finances, we see money, and, and we see possibility when the possibility that we seek should be found in Jesus. In every aspect of our lives, we have this chance to surrender. And our wealth, our possession are sometimes the hardest thing to give up. But just as no one can force genuine worship from our lips. No one can force genuine worship from our wallets. We have to be willing to surrender that up, just like we're willing to surrender every other aspect of our life up so that we can recognize who God is and understand that he will be faithful time and time again. Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22 says, Then then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking... I." excuse me, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So just this theme that's over and over and over again, that if, if you provide for me, if you put clothes on my back, if you protect me, everything that I have, I'll give you a tenth of it. And when we think about that, if we are being completely provided for, if we are being completely protected, a tenth of everything that we have seems like a deal. It seems like we're getting off easy. And when we're faithful with our money, we're building an altar to the Lord. It's something material that we offer up spiritually. It's a physical representation of everything that's going on internally. And that seems like something that we should do on a regular basis. And we've been called to do that. So we need to make sure that we are willing to tie, that we are willing to give a tenth of everything that we have to the Lord. But the next point is this, is that it isn't about the amount. It isn't about the amount. 
In the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, it says, Jesus sat down up opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. See, too many of us say something along the lines of, when I start making good money, I will start giving like nobody else gives. Like, I'm going to be so generous. But my encouragement to you today would be this, is start now. Start small. We get so fixated on that number uh, of 10%. But I think that, that God wants us just to be faithful and to start giving. And if that, if that number is 3% or 5%, great. Like Get up to that 10%. And then maybe at some point, as God continues to reveal himself, as God continues to be faithful, I, I would love, and I know you would probably love to be that person who gives away 25% or 50% because you have more than you could ever use. And, and that would be an incredible thing if we could get to that point. But we have to start somewhere. We have to start now. We have to give some amount to someone who's going to do something. Give some amount to someone who is going to do something. I'm not a company man. I would call this church out in a heartbeat if I didn't feel comfortable with the way that we're spending our money. But I do love that I get to be a part of a church here at Faith Chapel that that gives generously that we support so many people locally and globally that are doing incredible things around the world for the kingdom of God and for just the lives of people, keeping them safe, keeping them fed, keeping them clothed. See, we have to find people who are fulfilling God's call and empower them in a practical, tangible way. It would be absolutely amazing if the world just ran on love and, and good intentions, but it doesn't. We have to understand that, that money is a vital part of this world, and it is a resource. So let's make sure that we use it to the best of our abilities. And the next point would be this, is that we need to support our church, but we need to support the church. I want to explain that a little bit, is that the local church cannot undoubtedly survive without faithful giving. We absolutely have to. I would not have a job without faithful givers. This church would not succeed or even probably exist without faithful givers. But it is far from the only thing that is changing the world. Faith Chapel is just one element of what God is doing around the world. So we not only have to support our church and, and where we call home, but make sure that you are supporting people and supporting organizations that are killing it all over the world. Uh, that's, a, that's what I love is that we get to partner with these different organizations where we're not reinventing the wheel. We're just giving resources, whether it be time or money, to people that are already doing incredible things. And we're saying, man, God has uniquely equipped you to do that. How can we be on your team, not just trying to fix everything ourselves? And then one last thing on this idea of money as we are talking about is that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You see, it does not say that money is a root of all evil. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of different evil. Money as it stands can be used for incredible things. We cannot be naive to that. If you end up being a millionaire, like go give, give generously, give like nobody's ever given before and change the world in a way that only money can. But also understand this is that you cannot start idolizing money. 
we have to understand that it is a resource, but it is not God. It is not even close. And that we serve a God that can do all things, and money can just do some things. And so let's understand that that money is not evil, but it can get us in a lot of trouble if we start fixating on what it is and what it does. Because believe me, God will do a lot with very little often, and we have to be aware of that. So what else can we be be generous with? Secondly is this, is that we need to be generous with our time. Generous with our time. Our time is undoubtedly, unquestioningly, a resource. Uh, let's say the average person of college age movement, the average person listening to this podcast or that'll be in the room on a Tuesday night is 21. Uh, that is 183,960 hours of life. So I want to ask a question. How many hours have you given to someone else? Out of the 183,960 hours of your life, how many of those hours have you just given to someone else? It's a challenging question, isn't it? I know that, that when I worked out the numbers, I was like, oh my gosh, like I am not giving out even a percentage of the hours that I've lived. And that should be convicting and that should be challenging and that should be something where we, we start to intentionally give our time to other people and to other things. See, we're naturally selfish because our huma- of our humanity. And now culture seems to applaud selfishness. It is this weird dynamic where we have this mentality of get yours or I'm going to get mine. And that's in our workplaces. That's in our schools. That seems to even have crept into our relationships of I'm going to make sure that I get what I need out of this. And if you get what you get out of that, like, that's great. But like I'm going to make sure to get mine. And that is such a sad thing that that is what culture is. But where you're called to be countercultural, right? We're called to kind of go against the tide and to change things. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the opposite of getting his. In fact, he came with the focus of making sure that we got not what we deserve, but what he wanted to give us. And he had no worry about if he got anything back. And we need to have that mentality too. You see, we'll touch on our core value of save people, serve people next week, but you can't very well serve people if you're not willing to give them your time. We have to be generous with our time. We have to be willing to give away minutes. We have to be willing to give away hours so that other people experience Jesus like they can't unless we are willing to do just that. We have to budget our time just like we budget our money. And what we find is when we budget our money, we are a lot more successful with the money that we do have. So if we would start to budget our time, we would find that we're a lot more successful with the time that we do have. Being stressed out because you're so busy is now worn like a badge of honor. And I know that I am so guilty of this. People ask like, hey man, how's it going? How's it going? Oh, I'm doing really, really well. Just really, really busy. And for some reason, there's some part of me that wants people to go, oh, like that's good. You're not not busy because if we're not busy, then people we assume that people will just think we're lazy. But that's not the case at all. You see, being busy isn't necessarily a good thing because that means just that just means that we're not budgeting our time like we should budget our time. If you budget well, you won't be so stressed out. There's a man by the name of Dave Ramsey who, who works in the financial world and, and the church, and maybe you are very, very familiar with Financial Peace University 
And uh, one of the statements that he makes and one of his overarching principles is this, is that you need to give every dollar a job. Even if it's like going into savings or, or it's buying clothes, whatever it is, give every single dollar that you have a job. Don't just have money just out there floating around. And I think that that would be an incredible principle if we gave every hour a job. If we were intentional at scheduling out and, and we were so so fixated on the fact that, that this hour is important and it's not something that I'm just going to let float around. I'm going to give it a job. And you can say, like, hey, I'm going to give this hour to Netflix. Like, hopefully you're not giving too many hours. But, like, you just understand your life and you understand your personality. You need to decompress. You can say, hey, I'm going to give this hour to Netflix. I'm going to give these seven hours to sleep. I'm going to give this hour to my devos and reading in the morning. I'm going to give this hour to that coffee uh, that I'm going to have with my friend. And is if we do that and if we look at our days and we start to make those minutes and make those hours count, we're going to look at the ba- back at the, our week and we're going to say, wow, like, look at all these things that happened this week because I didn't just hope that things fell into place. I actually scheduled out my life. I actually gave my hours and I gave my minutes a job. And that would be an incredible thing if a, if a community of people started to do that because we would make sure that we were touching on so many people's lives and on each other's lives. And that is something that we definitely want to be doing. Thirdly, we need to be generous with our gifts. We always talk about how we're uniquely and wonderfully made here. And, and that's something that we will always talk about, that we have been created to be who God has called us to be and that there's not one person that is like another. But because of that, because we're uniquely and wonderfully made, we all have different passions and different gifts that can benefit the kingdom of God and that can benefit other people. So let's not just think about our passions and our gifts as things that bring us joy or that bring us fulfillment, but also on how we can use that to bring joy and fulfillment to other people. That we would understand that our gifts weren't given to us just for us, but it is a gift given to us so that we can essentially re-gift it to other people. That if you you have the gift uh, of music, use it to bless other people. If you have the gift of being financially uh, so if you're so smart and, and you're a stock trader or whatever it may be that you understand numbers and you understand the market and you understand everything better than most people, use that gift to benefit other people. We need to make sure that we use the passions and gifts that God has given us so that we can give those things to other people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9, it says, As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Man, would we be a community that just freely scatters our gifts to the poor? And it's not just the poor in finance, it's the poor in spirit. It's the poor in relationship. Whatever it may be that we would find people who are in poverty, whether it be financial or relational or spiritual, and we would be willing to scatter our gifts to those people and say, this isn't just for me. This is so that I can bless you as well. If you surrender it, God will use it. If we surrender our gifts, if we surrender our passions, God will use it. One of the hardest parts about this concept of generosity is that it's fluid. Sometimes it's hard to get our hands on if we're truly living generous lives. So here are a few questions that will regularly give us metrics or markers to check in at. The first question is this, is my generosity based in the perception of others or in the pleasure of God? Is my generosity based in the perception of others or the pleasure of God? Check your motivations. Do I want to be perceived as generous to those around me 
or do I want to be known to be generous by my God? You see, Jesus, time and time again in his ministry, said, don't stand on the street corner and just let everybody know how, how spiritual you are or how much you're giving. But just give. Just be spiritual. Be in tune with who Jesus is, who God is, and be generous. And other people don't need to know about your generosity. You don't give money to an organization and then post about it and be like, hey, look at me. Look what I did. Or go donate your time and say, look at what I did. Look how amazing I am. No, just give. Give of your time. Give of your gifts. Give of your money. And don't expect anything to be said about you. Just give. Not, not so that others perceive you to be generous, but so you, that God knows that you are generous. You see, you can fool others. We can put on a show, but we can't feel, fool the God that created us. So let's not spend any effort in trying to do so. The second question would be this. Is my generosity genuine? Like, do I have ulterior motives? If there is nothing in it for me, would I give my finances? Would I give my time? Would I give my gifts? Would I give my life to something if there's nothing in it for me? And that's something that, that is just like hits you right in the chest and you go, I don't know, and that's okay. So ask that question as you're, as you're starting to give or as you're continuing to give of whatever it is, whatever resources it is that you have. Some of us have money. Some of us don't. Some of us have a lot of time to give and some of us don't. But let's be generous with what we have and let's ask ourselves the question, is it genuine? Am I expecting something in return or am I doing it because God has called me to do it? 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay, our down, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Put your money, figuratively and literally, where your mouth is. We need to start taking action. It's really easy to turn generosity into another to-do list or another set of rules, but if we just start doing it because God has called us to do it, it will become a fabric intertwined into everything that we are. You see, we know that Christ loves us because he was generous with every part of his being. Let's try to do the same. In the, in the small, minuscule ways that we represent Jesus, that we reflect Jesus, let's be generous in those areas. And then the third question would be this, am I willing to be generous to those I don't particularly like? Am I willing to be generous to those I don't particularly like? The giving of ourselves or our resources can come easy with those whom we are close with. It can seem almost impossible to be generous with other people that we maybe we don't particularly like. like. If I see an orphan in need, I just my heart stirs and I just want to help them immediately. Or if it's someone that I'm close with or that I love dearly, I, I jump at the opportunity to help them in any way that I possibly can. But when it's somebody who, who's drunk on the corner that have gotten themselves in that situation, they've made bad life decisions, or it's somebody that just simply annoys me, I, I struggle. I have this internal struggle within me. It's like, well, do I want to give them my time? Like, do I want to give them money for shelter? Do, like, do I even really want to do that? Like, they kind of brought this upon themselves. Like, they deserve this. But that's not the call in our lives. The call is to just be generous. See, in Proverbs chapter 25, it says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. If that's the call for my enemy, 
Like, what's the call for the person that just annoys me or just rubs me the wrong way? Like, we need to be generous with whatever resources we have to all people. No stipulations, just love people always. We have to be willing to stop and check our heart and ask ourselves these questions. Because I think it comes down to this for me. I think that that I have found over the course of my life that I really am an infant and I'm still trying to figure out what it means to be generous and, and just trying to figure out how I, Evan Cook, am generous to the people in my lives. But I do know this, is that genuine generosity rooted in love changes lives. And I think that Jesus is in the business of changing lives. So I'm excited to jump in. Let's do that together. Thank you so much for tuning back into the College Age Movement podcast. We would love to have you here in person. We meet on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock at Faith Chapel, and we would love to get you plugged into family and into community and uh, just see your life changed along with the lives of other people. If you're not in Billings, we will continue to make the podcast, and we hope that it's a blessing to you. Have a great rest of your week. We love you all.